1: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Biplab Mandel, a winner of more than $15,000 in his high stakes fantasy football career. He currently sits in 24th place in the Football Guys Players Championship, a contest that will award a $250,000 grand prize next week, and he's also in 3rd place in the FFPC Terminator Tournament that features a $10,000 grand prize. Mandel is one of 12 teams left in the 2017 Scott Fish Bowl as well. He shares with us his 0RB love, his rules for starts and sits, and much more. You can follow Mandel on Twitter at underscore underscore Rainmaker. Also to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear 2016 FFPC main event co-champion Nelson Sousa giving his thoughts on the championship week backfields in Green Bay and Baltimore. You can follow Sousa on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the RotoViz content and tools and it supports the podcast channel as well. Now without further ado, let's check in with the champ, Nelson Sousa. And for anyone looking to, uh, to take advantage of uh, Blake Bortles' recent hot streak uh, going into championship week, the choices are D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole with Marquise Lee, um, You know, maybe not even playing in that game. Has either uh, of these guys, Westbrook or Cole, earned uh, the, the right to be a second flex uh, spot in FFPC starting lineups this weekend?
3: Yeah, I think up until last week uh Westbrook was the guy that <clears throat> I thought was getting um you know a lot of looks in the uh passing game. He was getting the most targets uh the last few weeks and then for whatever reason uh last week Cole and Nickens were the guys that uh got all the production and Westbrook was kind of an afterthought, but I uh I still like Westbrook uh, this week and then Cole is probably uh, a guy that you could as a desperation play um, but I, I think Westbrook's the, the solid guy.
1: Packers have made the decision to uh, replace Aaron Rodgers uh, on IR again and that means Brett Hundley will be the man behind the controls for the uh, Packers offense and what that means is that we'll probably see a lot more of the running game that we saw the previous few weeks before the Carolina game. We saw a lot of Jamal Williams. Obviously, Aaron Jones had that walk-off touchdown as he was recovering from his sprained uh, PCL injury. So you look at um, uh, Jones uh, getting a lot more snaps in the Carolina game. Does it make both he and Jamal Williams no better than rolls of the dice given the fact that they're going up against a very, very tough defense and I believe they're almost double-digit underdogs? Uh, or is there more here? I mean, is there something with Jones? Is there something with Williams? What's your read on this situation?
3: Yeah, both guys are unstartable. Uh, it, it's a bad matchup to begin with, and uh, it looks like Jones is start starting to eat into some of Williams' um, uh, production. So those guys, you just can't play any of them.
1: Rex Burkhead is more than likely going to miss the final two games of the regular season for the New England Patriots, which is going to open up some snaps in the backfield. Are you firing anyone else up in your lineup this week besides Deion Lewis? Does Mike Gillisley get any love? Does James White get back into relevance? Or is this simply Lewis's show and everybody else is just simply too risky?
3: No, I, I think Lewis is a, a locked-in guy that you can use um, – As your running back or in a flex spot, uh, for sure. And that I think, uh, James White is a guy that also that, uh, you could possibly, uh, put in there and you can expect probably 10 to 12 points. But Lewis is definitely the guy with the higher upside.
1: The Seahawks are uh, licking their wounds after they were demolished by uh, Todd Gurley and the Los Angeles Rams this past week. Now uh, the Seahawks face Ezekiel Elliott back in the uh, lineup for the Dallas Cowboys. Does this make not only Elliott but Dak Prescott and Des Bryant must plays as well? Uh, considering that they did their most the, the you know the most damage they did uh, for fantasy uh, came when Elliott was in the lineup. Are are, are Prescott and, and Bryant must plug ins now uh, in Championship Week?
3: Uh I think um Zeke is uh definitely a guy that um you can uh, plug in to the lineup. Dak is a guy probably that I don't uh I definitely don't trust.
1: I think about where we were uh, at this point last year you guys were leading the main event and uh you know ready to close out on it and here we are a year later what uh what's what what are you guys hoping for uh this coming week what are you rooting for what i i mean is there a repeat possible uh football guys how are you guys doing there what's the update there on on this year long journey it's been
3: yeah no unfortunately uh just the way things have uh worked out uh we don't have any um any teams up there that are going to have a, a shot at an overall, unfortunately. So, um, you know, kind of a, uh, a season that looked like the, we had a few teams that had a shot and, and then it just so happened, you know, we owned a lot of funches, uh last week, um, you know, owned, you know, we played Westbrook uh, just the way just the way things worked out, you know, we own a lot of Russell Wilson, Jimmy Graham. um, So that, that really didn't work out too well. So those, those teams just kind of uh, fell to the back.
1: It's really a testament to how hard this, this grind is and how long of a season this is. You think about where we were, in july and august and september drafting these teams and it just it the season flew by but it seems like it was ages ago and you guys are putting this rosters together but you know like i said it's a testament to how difficult it is to win an overall title like you guys did in the ffpc main event and i know uh you know may not be in the cards to repeat this year but you guys are, are definitely talented enough that uh, you're going to be a force to be reckoned with, and nobody's going to want to see you in their league again next year for sure. So, best of luck this weekend. I hope the ball bounces your way. We'll, uh, and I really appreciate you coming on uh, all season and, and sharing this story and this journey with us uh, here on the road of his high stakes slowdown. Best of luck to you this weekend, uh, Nelson. We'll talk again soon, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Nelson Sousa for his input this week. Now here's $15,000 high stakes winner, BitLab Mandel. So tell the listeners, uh, when you're not playing high stakes fantasy football, what are you doing for a living, BipLab?
4: Yes, Balky. Um, so I work as a global IT director. Uh, my company implements CRM and ERP solutions all across the world, and I manage a global delivery and consulting team that does those implementations
1: you manage a uh, consulting team and you also manage a lot of fantasy football teams to success too which one's more successful your day-to-day or your fantasy football
4: teams well i think my day-to-day is most <laughs> successful <laughs> yeah. but you know i think it compl- fantasy football complements me pretty well because it i started it more as a stress buster and then last few years i got more serious because i Notice that I am fairly successful in this, yeah. um, but it still is a great stress buster for me
1: yeah you know and you know what's great too is like and I think you and I kind of touched on this in in our emails like it it's it's so much fun to play, but then if you're if you actually have a team in contention which you got a couple uh, for some serious money, you these 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 this stress buster turns into a a stressful situation these last couple weeks of the season. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is one of those things, you know. I want to talk about uh one of these teams that that you have floating around the top of the the Football Guys Players Championship leaderboard right now. You actually drafted this um for the his listeners that don't know um on my other uh, show, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, we um broadcast a Football Guys Players Championship mid-stakes draft um every August uh live and uh you were one of the participants in there this year. Uh, tell us what you thought of this team's ability to be a really special team that could go deep into this competition After you looked at the board upon the draft completion
4: yep. uh, Great question Balki. So just to give you a background, you know I'm a firm believer of the zero RB concept at FFPC And I was even more former this year because the running back draft class was super deep However, you know, the only exception I had to this policy this year was that if I had a top two pick, I was going to take either David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. Okay. And apparently in this draft, I had the second overall pick. So I went with Bell, who was available. Then my strategy was, you know, to load up with WRs or come right back into the 0RB uh, concept. And and that's what I did. Got a usable tight end and then touched players like Kareem Hunt and others uh, in later round. Once the draft was over, I was pretty... Uh, optimistic about this team because you know Spencer Ware went down and straight away I knew I had Karim Hunt to complement with Le'Veon Bell and then I had uh, good four PPR volume receivers you know Edelman got hurt but I still had uh, players like Landry and Doug Baldwin and I knew they could uh, take me deep and then at that time I also thought players like Corey Davis Perryman and Josh Gordon could, could come into play later in the season, right? And then I had Engram and ASJ uh, to complement my TEs and both ended up outperforming their ADPs. However, to be honest with you, at that stage, it is very difficult to predict how the final three weeks of the competition will go because many teams will look alike. Many teams will have those Kamara's and Jamal Williams and Kareem Hunt's, you know, that will end up being differentiators. I actually started believing in this team when I noticed that I went 10, 10 to 1 in this league, and I think my only loss came against the great Henry Moto. Right. Uh, so, so that's where I started believing in it, bulky, and then in week 14, uh, this team rewarded me with a good performance. I didn't have a very good week 15, but I'm still hanging in there and hoping, you know, I can turn around things in week 16.
1: Yeah, anything can happen. I was just looking at the Football Guys Players Championship um, from last year. I looked at um, what we had going into the final week. And you had Mike Kuzma, who ended up winning the competition, wasn't even in the top 40. I mean, he wasn't anywhere close uh, to the top of the leaderboard. And then he puts up a 231 in Week 16 and wins the 250 grand. So anything can happen. Let me follow uh, follow up that question as far as 0RB goes, because I, for the, this is almost embarrassing to say, uh, um, especially the fact that there's, I, I host a podcast on Rotoviz. I finally did the legit, actual, in the truest sense of the word, zero RB for the first time ever this past year. And honestly, it was my best team (laughs) that I drafted all season was the one I, so I'm, I really want to, you know, go heavy into zero RB, throw myself into it into 2018 uh, and and see what happens. But I'm kind of with you on if I have this, you know, if I end up getting like an early pick, like a top two, top three pick, there's going to be guys there like, you know, um, the, the comeback of David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, all these guys, even Alvin Kamara to to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Um, the, all these guys at the top of the leaderboard um, are going to look pretty tantalizing. As we look to 2018, are you still believing in that same philosophy that you'll kind of you'll do zero RB, but not if you have one of those early round picks?
4: yeah great great question Balki. i think i will still focus on zero rb to be honest with you i will still go antonio brown after david johnson and Le'Veon bell next year i'm i'm pretty sure about it you know cannot find a more consistent safe guy than antonio brown Uh, So I would do that. I am not an Ezekiel Elliott fan. God knows what he's going to do next. So I'll try to stay away from him. But absolutely, you know, Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara will be in consideration. Um, The other thing I also want to look at is where the running backs land next year, the rookies. Uh, Because when you do zero RB it is very important that later you are able to land upside running backs also and just not grab any random guy available right so right. that is where some of those rookies become very important if they are getting into starting roles because you'll start getting them in eighth round ninth round and so on and uh, so forth right yeah, a lot. so
1: I was going to say had a perfect example of that this year, Alvin Kamara and, and Kareem Hunt, depending upon when you draft, if you didn't wait till the last minute to draft, you could add e- easily both those guys on your team as
4: your third and fourth running backs. Yep, yep, yep. And then you always, you know, running backs get hurt more than receivers. And then you'll always find people like Jamal Williams and Kenyon Drake available on the waivers. And you just go and grab them.
1: Let's talk uh, about, uh, you, you talked about this briefly in, in your team run down here on this squad. Uh, Hunter Henry is the guy that you grabbed in the sixth round of this draft. And then you actually hit on two uh, uh, young tight ends, a rookie uh, amongst them, uh, ASJ and Evan Ingram, uh, a little bit later on. Is, is it your philosophy that if you don't get an elite top-tier tight end, is this strategy the best way to attack the position uh, in the FFPC? In other words, are you... You know, if you don't get an elite guy, try to get, you know, try to get one in like the sixth, seventh round so you don't get shut out of the position entirely and then go for some upside in the double digit rounds.
4: Yep. Yep. Uh, nice question Balki. yes you know if if i'm unable to get gronk early i really prefer waiting for tight ends because you know i'm not a fan of investing a very high pick on a tight end that may not get a ton of volume and you know some of the consistent guys like olsen and walker are also getting older so you never know when they get hurt so my philosophy again has been grab four solid receivers in top five rounds Get a good running back with upside uh, legit RB1 or, you know, an upper end RB2. And then maybe between 9th to 12th tight end, start getting one in the 6th or 7th round. Like, you know, there are leagues where I've even gotten Witten a little later, you know, and he's very serviceable. Or, you know, I prefer managing the tight end position through waivers. Then in some leagues, I also went very late and went with the combination of Cameron Brait and, you know, Howard you know, just grab both of them and see which of them goes away, right? Uh, the 1.5 PPR on tight end is very good in, at FFPC, but I also feel it can be a trap. And why I say it can be a trap is because not always the tight ends will have consistent games that they are good for the draft master format. But in a classic, I would rather have a WR or a wide receiver with, you know, four, five catch average, than try to nail a So, I'm very comfortable with grabbing a tight end in 6th, 7th round and then load them up with some upside players. Again, last year, the tight end class was deep. Engram had a solid outing at uh, Combine. You know, I had my eyes on him. And then uh, ASJ was... Uh, looking awesome at preseason, you know, now those are preseason hypes, but at that stage, 14th, 15th round, just grab them and hope for the upside. So they both worked out for me and outperformed their ADPs.
5: Hey, sports fans, football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. yeah and and you have great depth on this team, I mean, just uh,
1: you know up and down, I look at um what you had last week on your bench, Latavius Murray, who had a pretty good game, Robbie Anderson, obviously, who's been big uh, for everyone uh, down the stretch here, and then Evan Ingram, a guy who really is bucking the the whole uh, trend of rookie uh, rookie tight ends struggling their first year in the league are any of those guys gonna make their way into your lineup in in championship week? Or do you just, I mean, is, is your team so loaded that there's just not a spot for any of those three?
4: Yep. No, I think Hunter Henry has now gone to IR. So Ingram will come and straight away replace him. And then, you know, unfortunately in week 15, I had this agonizing decision of playing Hunter Henry or playing Evan Ingram. And then I looked at the top 20, 30 ranked teams. And since I was ahead... I went with Henry because most had Henry and I thought I can consolidate my position there, you know, because if he busts, everyone busts. But more importantly, I wanted to play also the reverse Henry combination, going for the upside there. Unfortunately, that uh, strategy didn't work out very well. Um, You know, Kansas City got burned by Jared Cook a week early, but Hunter Henry couldn't do much and Antonio Gates ended up with a touchdown in that game. Latavius Murray is someone you know who I almost started him last week over Jamal Williams but then with Rogers back and Williams was getting all the volume I thought he'll get some goal line carries and score a touchdown and you know unfortunately that didn't work out. Uh, This week uh, I will probably have to come up with a decision between Murray and Jamal Williams uh, as we get closer to the Packers-Vikings game. A part of the decision will also be who offers me more upside and helps me, you know, shoot for a top 10, top 5 finish. Uh, Murray might be a safer floor, but Williams might have an upside again playing with Brett Hundley. Uh, Anderson is not a consideration with Josh McCowan out. You know, I think his value went down when Josh McCowan went down. So that's my thought. Sanu didn't do much last week, so I'm probably not going to play him and hope Doug Baldwin turns around and you know has a big game, which he's due uh, right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and it, with the exception of last week, Baldwin has definitely been uh, been playing very very well down the stretch. So we we talked about this earlier, Viplat. The 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 stress that you know a lot of people are going uh going through right now with being at the top of the leaderboard, not wanting to make a, a wrong decision as far as lineups go. What's really been the hardest part for you? Are you are you are you one of these guys who is going to agonize over these start decisions all week and and then just finally on, you know, Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon, whatever it is, finally uh, make up your mind and, and, and stick with that decision. Or are you, have you already made up your mind and and nothing's changing? Like what's, what's the most difficult part for you, um, in this time where, you know, there's so much money on the line in week 16. Uh,
4: Exactly, Balky. I wished I was a computer and didn't have a human heart and human brain, right? (laughs) (laughs) So so that makes it hard. You know, the hardest part is watching points on your bench and starts like Julio and AJ Green doing nothing and Antonio Brown going down, you know, in a championship week. But then we have all learned, right, that that happens every year and you probably get mentally more stronger with – Passing time, I have made some rules, and I try sticking by the rules. For example, I don't like benching starts. I would rather go down with them, because I, and I don't like floating around, you know, by benching starts. For example, last week I still played DeAndre Hopkins against uh, Jaguars, even though it was a very bad matchup and playing with a third-string quarterback. Right, so. Those are types of things that goes into my decision uh, making. Obviously, in a championship like FPC, I will also review some of the top 2050 lineups. And, and you know, I have my own spreadsheet and try to run my own lit- little algorithm, which may be all wrong. But just try to figure <laughs> out who, who, who gives me the more statistical advantage. But more or less, I would say 80% of my squads are set. One or two players I might tweak around. Uh, obviously, more research goes around around this time, but people have to understand even analysts are humans and they cannot predict the future. They can only say what the data says. And unfortunately, every game is different. So that's, that's where I am, bulky right now.
1: There's a lot of people who are at the position of being on the cusp of, uh, you know, some life-changing money and they're not going to have Antonio Brown at their disposal this week they, you know, because of the injury last week. So if you were handicapping this and, and you're looking at this from a fantasy standpoint, obviously this is going to depend upon who your other options are at, at flex and receiver. But when you look at the type of day that Martavis Bryant might have, the type of day that Juju Smith-Schuster might have when they go down to Houston to face the Texans, what are you expecting from both of those players?
4: Yep. I think Juju is an absolute must start next week. I do believe he will finish a t- as a top 10 receiver by the time week 16 ends. He's explosive. You got a glimpse of what he just did to the Patriots with that one touch he got in the end. And I think he's the eventual successor of Antonio Brown in that team. Um, I will say my bold prediction here that I wouldn't be surprised if Juju scores 30 plus points against this porous uh, Texan defense and wins some players and teams big money. Right. I, I will even play Juju over players like Des Bryant or a floor guy like Demarius Thomas. You know, I'll probably start Juju over them. Bryant, I'm not too excited. You know, he didn't do much after AB exist, uh, exited, although he had a touchdown. Um, if I am in a tournament or a dynasty playoff and I am behind, say, 40, 50 points, I might play Bryant as that wi- wild <laughs> card Hail Mary uh, player. But I would rather play players like Sterling Shepherd or Mike Wallace over Matavius Bryant. But I'm all in. The Juju board this week, I I think he's going to have a big game.
1: Yeah, he could uh, be uh, he could be winning championships uh, for people this week. And there's a lot of shrewd owners that picked him up, um, you know, when when uh, well earlier in the season. I mean, and uh, when when Bryant was still kind of you know running ahead of him, and they've been reaping the <laughs> rewards of Juju Juju since then. Um, a guy who who really had his breakout performance of 2017. And it came in, you know, the third last week of the NFL season was Greg Olson. And it really changed um the way that uh we're we're kind of thinking about the Panthers offense now in championship week. I'm I'm wondering, was this just a coincidence that the fact that he crushed it um against the Packers that Devin Funches uh also had a very bad game? I mean, were there were there was there some correlation there, uh, you know, between Olson's big game and, and Funches' bad game? And what do you do with Funchess now?
4: uh against tampa in championship week in your lineup yep 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 i think so olsen I, I don't know if you agree with that but olsen finally looked healthy to me in the last game he hadn't looked the old olsen the previous glimpses i got of him uh this year so olsen and newton you know they go way back whenever olsen is healthy and I think, you know, whenever Olsen is healthy, he is the number one pass catcher for Newton. You know, that he's proved it last few years. Uh, and I also felt, watching that game, that the Panthers really wanted to establish Christian McCaffrey. He kept getting tons of touches and tons of uh, passes early in the game. And I know that hurt uh, Funches to an extent. Now, that being said... The Tampa defense is porous, although they played well against, uh, uh, you know, Atlanta last game. But it is really hard to bench Funches, you know, when, when you look at that upside. Um, I would probably keep him as a wide receiver 2 or 3 consideration and really pray that he gets a touchdown. Because in, a, in an offense like Panthers, you are not going to get 8, 9, 10 catches, right? So those touchdowns can help uh but again you know i would rather play someone like juju or robert woods or even josh Gordon over funches this week because i feel greg Olson is the number one target and then christian McAfee is going to get five six passes
1: yeah know? yeah i i'm totally with you man i think funches might might have just dropped down to third on that offense uh as far as uh, expected targets now with and i agree with you i think this is uh Really, the the game that Olson looked, uh, you know, healthy and right, and uh, certainly for dynasty owners who are trying to squeeze a couple more seasons out of Greg Olsen, I think that was a, that warmed their heart uh, to see that performance last week. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, Bip lab, he has just crushed it for everyone who's been playing him uh, the last few weeks. Uh, it's it's it gives me a little bit of pause though for the leagues I own him in facing Jalen Ramsey in Week 16. Now this is a guy that. Um, Uh, who was going to be covering DeAndre Hopkins last week. And you obviously, uh, based on your own rules, uh, you're going to play Hopkins against him, and Hopkins came through. But certainly Goodwin, not on the same talent level uh, that uh, Hopkins is, but he does have the better quarterback right now. So you look at Goodwin. What are you doing with him this week? Is is he still a startable guy?
4: Yep. (coughs) Excuse me. To be honest with you, I'm not touching any 49ers receivers against the Jaguars. If I have Goodwin, he surely would have been a waiver pick for me. And so I would rather review and look at who are my other options. Of course, in a tournament, if I'm behind 40, 50 points, I might use him as a contra play because many may not start him. If you look at the last game, Hopkins just had four catches and he scored the touchdown that saved a lot of us. But, you know, I don't think Goodwin will have a big game. Um A desperation play for me would be someone like Kendrick Bone, maybe on that team, getting some dinks and dunks here and there. Uh, But otherwise, Goodwin will be on my bench. I'm more excited to see how Jimmy Groppolo does in this game. You know, that will prove really that is he being set up for greatness. That is what I'll be more excited and watching in this game against a talented uh, Jaguars secondary.
1: I was so ticked off, too, because, you know, Garoppolo's been, uh, you know, obviously playing very well the last couple of weeks. And I checked um, the leagues that I had picked him up in this season. None of them were dynasty leagues. They're all redraft (laughs) leagues. And it just totally ticked me off that I won't have this guy going forward because he looks awesome. Uh, But that, yes, that will be interesting to see uh, how uh, he does against that Jacksonville defense. Another question that fantasy owners have to answer this weekend is, They want to play a Ravens running back against that uh, Colts defense that just looked awful against the Denver Broncos last Thursday night. Is it Alex Collins? Is it Buck Allen, who actually was the better Week 15 play between the two? Um, You you still have Danny Woodhead there. Uh, I I don't know if anybody wants to play him with everything on the line. What are you looking at as far as production goes from (laughs) these three running backs as they take on the Colts? Yep. Uh,
4: Can you hear me, Balky? Yep, yep, you're good. Perfect. Okay. So if you look at the stats, Collins still had a better game than Buck Allen because Collins had five catches for 33 yards. And that gave him more PPR points than Buck Allen. Um, To be honest, some of Buck Allen's touches also came towards the end when they had a considerable amount of lead uh, and, you know, they really didn't need Collins. And I know Collins was not feeling very well earlier in the week. Uh, That being said, Collins also got stonewalled twice near the end zone. You know, if you look at that game and Browns actually have a very good uh, run defense. I am expecting a bounce back game from Collins. I will definitely roll Collins uh, this week and hope that he gets the volume and some good runs out of it. Uh, I think it is a potential bounce-back game. And if the game stays close, I don't think Allen is going to out-touch Collins in the game against Indy.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I think I think you are, and I'm definitely siding on on that side of the coin as far as Collins goes. The leagues I own him in, I'm definitely deploying him uh, for sure over Allen. Uh, Bifflap, this has been awesome uh, picking your brain tonight. So gracious uh, with your time, and I certainly appreciate it in a, in a very busy time for fantasy owners. Gonna ask you one last question uh, before I let you go a sleeper, uh, that, uh, maybe we have touched on, maybe we have not touched on yet, uh, that might find his way into some of your week 16 lineups. And then a stud, which I know you said you don't like doing, but if there is a guy out there that you would seriously consider sitting this year, or excuse me, this week that, um, you know, people have high expectations for, but you don't think he's going to get it done. Who would it be? Who are those two players?
4: Sure. So, you know, I think, One straightaway sleeper this week will again be Killen Cole, although I know a lot of folks might be chasing him on waivers, but a really super deep sleeper that I feel might have a big game again is Demir Bird from Carolina. You know, they are playing a porous defense, and I think it's not Funches, but Bird again goes away with two, three touchdowns. I actually picked him up in Scott Fish Bowl, where I'm, you know, now playing for the top 12 spots. So I like Demir Bird this week. Uh, as for a stud, uh, you may not like it as a Packer fan, but I think Jordy Nelson will be on my bench, even if Davante Adams is out. Uh, and, you know, probably I'll even bench Jordan Howard this week against a tough Browns defense. So those are two starts that I don't feel good about this week.
1: Listen, man, as a Packers fan, I'm already checking out draft stuff for 2018. I've moved on <laughs> past this season. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, people, are, uh, people have asked me this week, like, you know, if Adams does miss, does does Xavier Rhodes, uh, you know, shadow Jordy Nelson? And I'm just like, does it matter? You know, I, I don't even, even if Rhodes... <laughs> doesn't shadow him. I, I don't I can't in good conscience play Jordy Nelson. So I'm I'm totally with you on that with this week. And I should have I should have given you props at the top of the show for this. But yeah, in the Scott Fishbowl it is down to twelve teams playing for the overall title i mean like several hundred teams in this and you are one of them so best of luck to you there you already won your your division and and uh you're you're obviously being very successful in that format i know you're hoping to inch up that football guys players championship leaderboard as well uh you play a ton of dynasty i know that there's a lot on the line in week 16 there as well so you have a lot of lines in the water this week let's hope you uh Pull in that big fish. Thanks so yep. much for coming on the uh, the uh, Roto-Viz, uh, High Stakes Lowdown VIP Lab. We'll talk again soon, man. This was fun.
4: Yeah, no worries, Bulky. I even have a top five Terminator team that's keeping me sleepless. So oh, hopefully yeah, I come one. around. No, just <laughs> hopefully I come around in week sixteen. But absolutely great chatting with you, uh, Bulky. Take care. Have a Bye. good night.
1: rotoviz.com podcast.